Welcome to the Online Course Masters Show, where you'll learn how to create and sell your very own online courses. I'm your host, Phil Ebener, and with Jeremy Deegan, we're excited to dive into another great topic today, how long courses should be. Visit OnlineCourseMasters.com for show notes to view the video version of this episode and to see an archive of all our past episodes and guests. While you're listening, make sure you hit that subscribe button and take a moment to leave a rating and review, which helps us reach an even larger audience and continue to put out this type of content for free. All right, Jeremy, we're here for another topic about how long courses should be, but I want to ask you about your life outside of teaching online courses so that our listeners can get to know us a little bit better. Is there a hobby that you are really passionate about, something that uh, you like doing when you're not working on online courses or anything related to online business? Yeah, so uh, I like to play music, so I play bass guitar. And uh, I play in the church band, so I've been working a lot lately and haven't been able to play as much as I'd like to, but uh, it's always good just to play an instrument, kind of get away from uh, business and entrepreneurship and just kind of like, you know, set yourself free. And then I also like to surf, so it's kind of the same thing to me, like it's just a minute to get away from all this stuff. Uh, I mentioned this before, I'd never create a surfing course just because it's something I'm passionate about, I love to do. And I would teach someone how to surf if they asked, but uh, I'm not going to go out and create a course on it. Well, uh, I, yeah, week- and it it's something about like having your hobbies be the same as what you teach online. It yeah. can get messy and then it feels like work. Like the same thing for yeah. video and photography for me. It used to be just my passion on the side I would do. But now it's like whenever I think about going out shooting anything, it's like, how can I make this a video for YouTube? How can I make <laughs> this part of a course? And so it's hard to do that unless it is part of a course. Uh, For me, like the thing that I've been getting into is a little bit of woodworking. I think it was after I moved into my house uh, doing just some small woodworking projects. Uh, My in-laws were very nice and got me a saw, a table saw, um, a miter saw for my birthday a couple of years ago. So I've been using that and I'm working right now on a a dining table for for inside. Uh, We had a we have a dining table we got off of Craigslist like a few years ago. Uh, but it's like too big for our space. And with the two uh, twins coming, I don't know if I mentioned on the show, but they're both going to be boys. We found out they're going to be twin boys. Oh, yay. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, which is going to be crazy. Um, yeah. By the time you, you listen to this, who knows? They might be around. Uh, but I wanted a table that was a little bit smaller so that I can like, I'm just imagining, I don't have kids, so I don't know, but I'm imagining like, with two kids and two high chairs, like needing to be able to like reach both of them at the same time. So it's like a custom, yeah. custom design. Nice. You should put their high, high chairs on like a track system. So they can just like <laughs> put, push them around the table wherever you need them to go. <laughs> hey, now that, now you're talking, man. That's good. Yeah. I didn't even think about like built in high chair. No, I don't think I want built in high chair, but I like that tra- track idea. Modular. So you, you do woodworking. Uh, you also bike, don't you? Have you have you been out biking lately? Uh, yeah, not not as much as I want. Um, I do li- love cycling. It's like the one type of exercise that I like the most. But it's one of those things that you got to like stick with it. And once you mm-hmm. start doing it every couple days, then you become kind of addicted to it. And I just 
I was redoing my garage and my bikes were in storage for like a couple months. And so I stopped. And then since then, I haven't taken them out, which is a real, real bummer. So um, yeah, we, we, I live in Florida where it is just flat as flat can be. So we don't have a lot of real awesome, you know, mountainous train or anything like that. But it's funny because I used to go all the time. I would drive down to where I live now. There's a trail that actually is a little hilly, you know, mm-hmm. and actually has a, a nice little uh, park area to go through. And it's like, man, I, I got to get another bike because I, I used to do it all the time. I just haven't done it in like 10 years now. But yeah. the trail is literally like half a mile down the road from me. So now would be the perfect time to do it. And I just I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I like talking about this stuff because it gets me inspired and keeps me accountable to to doing hobbies. And I I always tell myself I'm going to take Friday afternoons off and just like have it to do whatever. And I'll do that for a couple of weeks, but then I'll get back into the grind and get yeah. busy. But it's it's important to try to do that kind of stuff. Well, being an entrepreneur, my part, my problem is like I'm always thinking of how I could turn it into like a profit. <laughs> like, yeah. If I start woodworking, it's like, can I teach this? Like, yeah. Could <laughs> yeah. Can I make stuff to sell? Yeah, totally. I mean, the same things go cross my mind but um yeah i don't know there's a, there's a balance and some, like i said you have to keep some things separate from the business yeah, to make exactly. sure that you're still passionate about them uh but anyways let's talk about course length we're also going to dive into sort of this idea of whether you should have a big comprehensive flagship course or break it down into smaller topics i've seen this question asked online in the sort of online course creation Facebook groups all the time. People saying, I have this one course that I could break into 10 individual courses. Will it sell better? So we're going to talk about that kind of stuff in a little bit. But first, in terms of just like total length of a course, um, what is the right course length? Do you have a, is there a rule or any advice for just how long a course should be? Well, I think, um, like we generally talk on this podcast, it's going to come down to a couple different things. It's going to come down to your topic, uh, how quickly you can teach that information and get the student to the goal that they're trying to achieve. And it's also going to be dependent on the platform. So let's talk about that first, because I think that that's very important. Um, I'm going to talk about three platforms. I know there's other platforms. I, I see these three as kind of the main ones in my mind. They're the ones that I'm on. I know you're a member of some other course platforms that you might be able to give some more information about. First, we talk about self-hosting. So mm-hmm. that might be either you're hosting on like a Vimeo uh, Pro account and you have them on your website, or you're using a service like Teachable or Thinkific um, that isn't a marketplace, but they do host the content for you and then you drive students. That's going to depict on how long the course is going to be based on your own site and your own Mm -hmm. uh, information and pricing. Then we talk about Udemy. Uh, Udemy has, you know, large price differences, but they do a lot of discounting. Um, and we, what is the minimum? Is it 30 minutes? I think 30 minutes now. Yeah. Yes. So I think it's 30 minutes is the minimum on Udemy and then it can go up to 60, 80 hours if you wanted it Mm -hmm. to be. Um, and then you have a course platform like Skillshare, um, where you see a lot of shorter courses, Skillshare, and, and they used to want them to be 
even shorter. Short, They've yeah. actually made it a little longer now, um, but they want a very short, actionable thing. How can I teach you how to watercolor a lion's head in 10 minutes type yeah. of thing? So, so we talk about different platforms. I think that's going to be the main characteristics as we go through this to keep those kind of three course platforms in mind. Uh, are there any other that you've seen of course or any of those other platforms? I mean, there have been some different course platforms that have popped up that have tried different things out like two-minute lessons and breaking down your course. I think Curious.com is a smaller one that they break down into like five to ten-minute videos that each video has to have its own like goal and quiz. And so it's almost like a mini course within, uh, you know, every like lecture is its own mini course. So that's really short, similar to how Skillshare was. But for most of the platforms, I don't like change up the way that I teach a course except for in the past with Skillshare. But even today, I usually put the full course on Skillshare. Mm -hmm. I actually haven't put some of my full courses. I don't put on Skillshare anymore, but in the past I would just put the whole thing on Skillshare. I understand that they want shorter courses and that some students like the shorter courses there, but also, it's based off of minutes watched, so having a big, long course is not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, that's right. So let's go through these maybe one by one and kind of talk about the different platforms I think would probably be beneficial. Mm-hmm. Um, let's start with Udemy. We're both uh, longtime Udemy instructors. I think that'll be an easy one for us to talk about. And then I'll ask you about maybe um, the self-hosting kind of yeah. platforms. So on Udemy... Uh, 30 minutes minimum and then pretty much any is there a maximum i don't even know if there I think is there's a, a maximum number of lessons i think it's like 500 or something that you can have okay. and so i don't and there's a limit in like file size so i don't know if there <laughs> actually is technically a limit they used to have a limit of the length of lecture too which was like 15 minutes or 20 minutes yeah. But that's kind of become a little bit, I haven't seen them enforce that as much lately. And I, I don't think they should necessarily because there's some topics where the lecture should be 15 minutes. Um, yeah. We'll talk more about lecture length in a second. But, um, but yeah, there, so I don't think there's really a maximum. So let's talk about total length. When you're creating a, a Udemy course, how do you decide on how long this course is going to be? How do you, how do you come up in your head that this is going to be a one-hour course or this is going to be a 16-hour course? Well, I'll say this from the beginning is that no matter what topic you're teaching, the course should be as long as it takes to teach that topic and not have you rambling or waffling, which is a term that I've learned from (laughs) students telling me that I waffled a lot from my first (laughs) courses. And it shouldn't be too short either where you're not really teaching the topic. And so Mm -hmm. this is kind of like the best and the worst advice we can give you in the sense that you're the expert, you know your topic, you should know how long it takes to teach a topic. And you should, Mm -hmm. maybe you don't know initially, but by the end of the teaching, your course is either going to be two hours or it's going to be 20 hours. Mm -hmm. I think on Udemy, well, first with different topics, it's going to be different too, because a programming course where you're learning how to code, it just takes longer to teach than sort of a lifestyle course about how to be more confident. A 20 hour course on how to be more confident, that's going to be a drag (laughs) for those students. You know, you want to get that topic done, but you might not even be capable of teaching a coding course 
in two hours. So a lot of is it a lot of it depends on the topic. On Udemy though, I would err on the side of longer courses being better in terms of selling better, just because that's mm-hmm. one of the determining factors when someone searches for a course. It's easy to see the length of the course. Um, you know, you see how many reviews. You see what. Actually, I don't even. Let me make sure I, they change this all the time. I want to just do a quick Udemy search for a course topic just to see what what actual things they um, show. So I'm searching for Il- Adobe Illustrator, which is one of my latest courses I've launched. Um, but that determining factor of so you see the number of reviews, you see how many review or what the rating is, you see the length of the course, you see the levels. So is it beginner, intermediate, advanced, or all levels? And then you see the price and the name, of course, and the thumbnail. But mm-hmm. because that length of the course is there, it's such a big factor in someone deciding, am I going to buy this course or the next one? Right. There's 20 Adobe Illustrator complete courses. There's the top selling ones are 12 hours, 11.5 hours, and ours is only seven and a half hours. So even if the reviews are a little bit better for the shorter courses, I found that the bigger, longer courses do generally sell better. That doesn't mean you just pad your course with a bunch of nonsense content um, or ramble or waste time. But I would say on Udemy, the longer courses generally do better. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. Um, I don't want anyone to think that you like you should uh, you said you should just add content just to make it longer. Um, but when all things are considered and buying a course, and this is why I wanted to start with you to me because of this kind of problem, it's kind of psychological to get to the point of being able to teach someone. You have to get them to first buy your course. They have to buy into you or your brand, and then they have to purchase the course that you're selling. Now, that's done a lot of different ways. It's done through the course image, the promo video, preview lectures that you have, the copy, the title, and so forth. Uh, All things being equal, if, like you said, you have two master classes for Adobe Illustrator, and one is a 14-hour course, and one is a one-hour course, psychologically, the student's going to think to themselves, I'm going to get the 14-hour course because there's going to be more information in it. And at that point, it doesn't really matter a whole lot how much they watch because on Udemy, it's based on just a selling price. Mm -hmm. So psychologically, they're going to think to themselves, this course is longer. I'm going to get more out of it. So I might as well buy it. Even if I don't watch everything, I feel like I'm getting a deal. And I mean, that's just human nature. We're, we're going to try to get deals. We're going to try to save money. Um, and if I have a 14-hour course and a one-hour course, I might think that one-hour course isn't going to teach enough information. So Udemy is kind of a, a tricky animal when yeah. it comes to that kind of I mean, of it's thing. hard because it's like goes against what I would actually advise because right. – you might be able to teach the course better in two hours, but that's, right. that's not that course might not do as well on Udemy. But that kind of brings us to our ne- next platform. Let's talk about self-hosting, where yeah. I would say that the length of the course doesn't really matter that much. It's all about making sure students are achieving their goals and learning almost as fast as possible. Right. And you and you want to do that on Udemy too, but it's just harder because of the the prices are all set the same. Mm-hmm. So one benefit of self-hosting is you set your own price. Mm-hmm. And you can price dependent on the information you're teaching and how much you're teaching. I mean, if if I'm teaching a 30-minute course on how to bake a cookie, 
I might not charge $497 for that. That might be like a $10, $15 course. But if I am teaching a very uh, a business course. Or how to start your own ba- bakery, cookie bakery. Yeah, how, how to start your own bakery. And I'm giving you all the information you'll ever need to know. And this is you know, this is going to be better than uh, how to bake a cookie course. It's going to cost more. Uh, I think that that's one difference of those platforms. I mean, what what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I think that's, again, it like is, it's not necessarily the price that determines or the length that determines the price, but um, you have that much more control and you don't have to worry about, you know, your course being too short because you shouldn't worry about a course being too short if you're actually getting, you know, the topic across and students are learning. So, so yeah, I mean, I feel like, I guess if you're only teaching uh, self-hosting a course um, and not worried about Udemy, then again, it's like hard. I can't say there's one right length of a course i'm not going to say four hours or six hours or 20 hours i will say though that um if i was a student i would think that you know an hour course that i pay more than 20 or 30 dollars for might feel a little bit short i would just from like knowing how i've created courses in the past a three to six hour course feels fairly like robust and depending on the topic again but i I would aim for at least a few hours um, for sort of a general course um, if you're getting started out. And I always err on the side of providing more value than maybe what the course is priced at or what the course is worth. Mm -hmm. So if you have an hour in your course and you feel like you can teach that, all that from one hour and you price it at a good price, that's totally fine. But maybe you can add some more to the course to make it even feel a little more robust. And mm-hmm. and I'm not talking, like you said, not waffling or padding or just having lectures of you rambling, but maybe you can add in some extra tips or some extra things to the course. You know, I taught you the basics and the intermediate and the advanced, but here's some extra special things that you can do uh, aside from all that to, to really, you know, pump it up and make it feel a little more robust too. Having um, activities and then solutions to activities is one way if you're if if you are kind of just looking to increase the length of your course i found that to be a good way that actually helps students out um, taking you know prompting your students to take action to edit a certain photo or whatever it is and then you walk through that edit and even though it's it's kind of a repetition of what you've taught already you're doing it in a real world sense which a lot of students actually appreciate and if they don't then they just skip that activity in that sort of solution video but those kind of um, those ones, I feel like you can also be a little bit more drawn out and maybe go into more detail um, rather than the lessons where you're you know just trying to get the specific skill or t- tip or technique across. Uh, so mm-hmm. that's just one way to kind of add more time to your course in a good way. Yeah, and I think when talking about students too, you know, it's listening to them and seeing mm-hmm. what they say. Because in your head, you might think everything is fine, but in the student's head, they might think that you're taking too long yeah. or that you're going too fast. I mean, that's a very common review that I see, and sometimes I see both of them on yeah. the same course. You know, <laughs> so, yeah. But but it's listening. I mean, if you have people constantly saying 
hey, uh, you're taking way too long to explain this information. Mm -hmm. Maybe you can go back and get to the point a little quicker and shorten up the length, which is totally fine. Now, you know, Skillshare, we talked about, they like, you know, smaller, shorter, actionable classes. You mentioned uh, it is based on minutes watched, so you might want to have a longer class on there. But let's talk about lecture length because we talked about the total length of a course. Um, But what about like individual lectures? So say, let's just say an average course is, you know, two, uh, two hours long for, mm-hmm. for an average course, you have a two hour long course. Do you make one lecture that's two hours long or do you make 201 minute lectures? Like where do you find the balance there? I would say this is where it's a little bit more important to stick to a general length of between four to seven minutes. Uh, attention spans keep getting shorter and shorter and shorter. We know that, um, even on YouTube, it's a different story where I, you know, you make a video longer than two minutes and it, you know, people aren't watching most of that video. Uh, I've heard from Udemy and from other, other actual researchers who've said that students find that lectures less than like three or four minutes long, feel like it's too short, feel like it's not getting, even though the content might go into depth, they feel like it's too short, anything longer than like seven minutes or so, seven, eight minutes, students start to lose their attention. Um, So I would try to stick in that general range, but of course there's exceptions to the rule. So if you're teaching something on Photoshop and you're drawing or designing some specific technique, it might take longer than seven minutes to get through that. And then there's some things that are only going to be a minute or two, but I think the idea is that you want students to feel like they're making progress through the course. So at least I would think as a student, and I know from student feedback that like they don't want one lecture that's two hours long, that's the entire course. They want to break it up into specific videos. But like you said, you're never going to be able to make everybody happy. With my Mm -hmm. courses, I get people saying, your lectures are too short, you know, you don't go into too much detail. Then I have people saying, your lectures are perfect because they're the exact right amount of detail and length. And then there's people that are saying that they're too long. And so you're going to get people who are saying everything, but hopefully most people are enjoying the length of your lecture. Is there anything else that you would add or do differently? Uh, I just think that you know, it's it's going to come down to a little bit of trial and error, uh, seeing how the students like the lengths of your lectures. Um, I usually stick between, you know, like you said, the three to seven minute range, four to seven minutes. I feel like that's a pretty good amount of time where you can get your information across. Um, one thing I don't like personally is really short lectures that are like a minute or two minutes long when I'm watching a course, mm-hmm. because I don't like it just constantly rebuffering and going to the next slide. And then you get a a quick minute of information and rebuffers and go to the next slide. Um, I actually find it's even more annoying if you have like a bumper video and you're doing that because then it's just like, all you're doing is hearing the bumper video over and over and over again. So I like a little bit longer of a lecture personally, because I like to kind of get into the information. Mm -hmm. Um, if there's a worksheet and I'm able to like take notes, I want it to be a little longer so I can listen and take those notes. Um, I'm doing a, I also in the middle of a web development course, uh, HTML, CSS, JavaScript type stuff. And I find in that course, the lectures are all over the place and I'm trying to keep them condensed, but it's just hard to because Mm -hmm. some topics, 
uh, if I'm teaching you how to underline uh, text with HTML, it might be a two minute lecture. What mm -hmm. if I'm teaching you how to do something more advanced in JavaScript, it, it might take 10 or 15 minutes. Um, now you could consider breaking those up into two lectures, mm -hmm. but sometimes you just don't want to do that because you're in the flow. You feel like you're teaching it in a good manner. And so I keep those together. They might be a 10 or 15 minute lecture right after a three minute lecture. Now I'll launch the course. And then if people get to that lecture and I can see in Udemy or wherever that they're stopping at that lecture mm -hmm. or they're complaining about it saying, Hey, some of these lectures are too long. I'd reconsider going back and, and splitting them up a little bit. Yeah, and part of it is honestly just making it easy for students to find the lesson that they're looking for. Like each lesson for me, I always think, is this like a specific skill or a specific sort of definition they're learning or technique? Is this something that they would be searching for like in the outline? Because that happens a lot. Students will message me and say, oh, where where are the lessons about... Um, SEO or where is the lesson about aperture or whatever and if I had one general lesson in photography about here's how you expose manually use your manual um, controls to expose properly that covers things like aperture ISO f-stop which right. is the same as aperture which might be French to people listening to this but they're not that's going to be more difficult for students to like actually find the content that they're looking for or to go back to content. So part of me in splitting up my lectures is just based off of almost the SEO, the search engine optimization of the course itself and those lessons. So that's that also helps me determine like if a if a lesson's going to be long or short. I want to make sure specific topics are separated actually. Yeah, and, and this goes back to uh, an episode we talked about goal setting. You want to have goals for your lectures, and I feel like um, if you're setting specific goals for your lectures, then you're going to make a course length that fits that goal. Mm -hmm. um, like you said, if if you're not thinking about that and your goal is just to teach someone how to do a manual and you've got a 40-minute lecture covering 10 different things – uh, you know, people probably aren't going to watch that or maybe they want to stop and come back later and they can't find their place inside that lecture. Yeah. Um, so can a, a course or, well, we talked about maybe lectures being too short or too long, but can a course itself, uh, can it be too long or can it be too short? I honestly think it just depends on the topic. I, I don't think so. I think some courses can be too long. Some courses can be too short, but based off a topic, like, no, like a photography course can't be too long or too short if the student is enjoying it, if they're lear learning new new topics. And I think that just, yeah, that just depends on the topic itself and whether students are actually learning and enjoying the course. So I would say no to that. Okay, cool. Um, so one thing that we hear often is uh, people talking about breaking up larger courses into smaller courses um, or maybe doing the vice versa of that. Mm -hmm. uh, I want to give you my analogy, mm -hmm. and then I want to hear what your opinion is on this, uh, should you break a larger course or up. So when I started, I, I, I created a Canva course, and then it did really well, and I wanted to make another one. So I created another Canva course called Graphic Design Theory in Canva Volume 1, and then I made a Volume 2. And one thing I noticed on the Udemy platform was that people started buying those courses together, mm -hmm. which I thought was awesome. So when like Black uh, Friday came around, 
uh, I would see one person buy all three of those courses together as like a set. And I thought that was a great idea. I was like, yes, this is awesome. Uh, there's another instructor, uh, Rosa, who teaches piano mm -hmm. and she does this very well. Um, she will teach, I don't know how many courses she has now on piano, but she teaches different parts of the piano and she has like 30 or 40 courses. And if you ever look at her, if she ever shows you like her income reports, you'll see that people will buy 10, 20 courses at a time, uh, of those piano lessons. Um, so I had this in mind and I created my GarageBand course and I created four GarageBand courses and I split those up the same way. So the first one was on recording, the second one was on editing, the third one was on mixing, and the fourth one was on publishing, thinking that it was going to have the same effect and it tanked. It did absolutely awful. I was going to just, I gave up on that course and I was actually going to close it out. And then I said to myself, well, maybe I could just combine these and do a bigger course on Udemy and see how that does. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I put all those to private. I stuck them all into a new masterclass. I let anyone who was already enrolled in one or more of the, the courses just come on over for free and then just relaunched it as a big masterclass. That has almost been my best course. It's my second best course to date. Um, it's as a top editor pick in the music section. It's been featured on the Udemy uh the landing page. Mm -hmm. It's done really, really well. So it's kind of weird that it almost had the reverse effect where the Canva courses, people were okay with having it split up. And the GarageBand course, they wanted it as one big masterclass. Um, so I just wanted to throw that in there that you just got to kind of <laughs> do trial and error and play yeah. around and see what's going to happen, you know? And, and who knows what the reason was. Maybe it was the times because I feel like when Udemy was newer and there might have been fewer courses, maybe there weren't as many GarageBand courses and your Canva courses were the only options out there. Maybe it made sense and sold better because students could only had that limited option or maybe they were used to buying multiple courses that were broken broken up and now they are more accustomed to the big comprehensive courses uh, but I think that in general my advice would be to do what you eventually did and if it's if it's one topic make it a big course and don't don't if it's like one skill make it a big course and don't break it up into like part one a series of courses mm -hmm. if it's individual topics and individual niche ideas i think that can be split up and that might be a great way to actually differentiate yourself from the other courses which is kind of what we did with our photoshop course we had the photo photoshop for entrepreneurs course which was a way we differentiated it and it wasn't a part of a we didn't have the idea of oh let's teach a comprehensive photoshop course part right. one will be for beginner home schooled parents part two will be for entrepreneurs part three will be for corporations that wasn't the idea it was just let's create this smaller course on photoshop and that actually is a way to differentiate yourself uh, but i think like what doesn't work on udemy especially is that like okay here's part one of learn how to bake bread here's part two where mm -hmm. you don't learn the complete skill in until the fourth or fifth course um but if you're baking bread and you know you have one course on baking sourdough bread you have one course on baking pizza dough or making pizza dough you got one on muffins then that's a great way 
who knows, maybe a comprehensive baking course on everything might do pretty well too on where you learn all of that stuff. But Mm -hmm. that breaking those kinds of topics makes sense to me more. Does that make sense to you? Am I making sense? Well, we, (laughs) we talked, well, you're making me hungry. That's for sure. (laughs) We, we talked about this, uh, early on in one of our episodes about branching out. So, you know, maybe creating a comprehensive course. So maybe you do a longer, more in depth course Mm -hmm. that gives you all the basics and the fundamentals. You know, if you're teaching Photoshop, all the tools and the layers and the effects and the adjustments and color and, and text and things like that. And then you branch out into smaller, more niche courses that are maybe an hour long, but they teach a very specific thing, how to make a neon text effect in Photoshop. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always thought that that's a, a really good thing that I'm trying to do as I continue forward. I don't have a comprehensive Photoshop course yet, but I do have those little niche courses like yours and some other ones that I've created. Um, so when breaking a larger course into smaller courses, is there anything else that you can think of that you would like to add before we uh, wrap it up? No, I mean, I just think that I will say, though, too, that on Udemy itself, the bigger comprehensive courses tend to sell better. They tend to last longer to become those bestsellers. And so while it's nice to have the more niche courses that are broken up and maybe you're making $25 from five different courses a month, I would say I would err on the side of making a comprehensive course if you don't have one already. Um, start with that comprehensive course, like you said, and then maybe maybe break it up into individual courses later on. Cool. Very good. Awesome. Um, well, that does it. Let's uh, wrap this up. But if everyone is enjoying this podcast episode, we encourage you to join our Facebook group. I know we say it every week, but if you're not in it, then you're missing out and you can get to it. Just ho- head over to onlinecoursemasters.com And then click that community button at the top of the page. That'll take you to the Facebook group. And while you're on onlinecoursemasters.com, check it out. We've got a full mentorship program that walks through all of these topics. You get lots of bonus materials and behind-the-scenes content. You get special access to Jeremy and I through that as well. And so check that out and, uh, yeah, become one of our mentors or mentees. We will mentor you. (laughs) As always, we appreciate any reviews and ratings wherever you're listening to this. iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. I don't know if we're on Spotify yet. I think I submitted. But Google Play, wherever you're listening, leave us a review and a rating. And until next week, have a great day. See you.